0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Man, I'm so excited about the message today. Um, You don't know this, I know this, and maybe by the end of service you will understand. Thank you, Kyson, I think we're good. Um, God has even confirmed for me some of the things that he spoke to me all week long just in the service that's happened um, today. I'm so grateful for God's Word. I I tell you, I am so grateful for God's Word, and I'm grateful that we're a part of a church that values and honors and reveres and cherishes and prioritizes and commits to obeying God's Word. And we've been in this series, um, I've entitled According to Peter, And here was the intention. The intention is just to walk through this word of God verse by verse. And what I'm seeing God do in the middle of us walking through this is no less than than incredible for me. I'm, I'm super grateful. We didn't want to just jump right into the content of the two letters that Peter wrote without first spending a little bit of time talking about his character. So we've We've done that, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying spending some time looking at what he did, the things that he did really well, and I'm enjoying some time, if I'm honest, seeing about the things that he didn't do so well. How many of you are encouraged by the things Peter did well? How many of you are more encouraged by the things he didn't do so well? Yeah, it helps us relate a little bit. If we could chart Peter's life spiritually, his spiritual life, it would look a lot like the stock market. Remember, he'd have these periods of ups, and then some downs, and then some ups ups again and then some downs. I can relate to that. If we were to look at Peter's life like it was a race, there would be times when he would be out in front of everybody else, almost like the lead disciple. And then there's times where he's kind of just among the pack. And then if we're honest, there's times we look at Peter and we wonder, is he even going to finish this thing? This guy is messed up so many, many times. And we, th- we, we discovered that the Bible makes a lot of efforts to h- let us know about all of his ups and his downs so that we can relate to Peter. Have you enjoyed learning about Peter and his words so far? Okay, for the rest of you that don't, maybe I'll do a better job today and we can all get excited about it. God does use Peter powerfully and it reminds me that, listen, if God can use a man like Peter, then God can use me. God can use me. But I need you to understand something. The Peter that we read about when we read 1 and 2 Peter in Scripture is not the same Peter that we read in the Gospels. You say, wait a minute, I thought it was the same person. Listen, it's the same person biologically, but it's not the same person spiritually. Something has changed. Something has happened in this guy's life. You you would understand this if I shared this verse with you a little bit better. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this is Paul writing. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And if you've come here today and you say, Pastor Don, there's some things in my life that I wish I could leave behind. I got news for you. You're in a great place. You're in a place where God has made the regular habit of taking old things and making them new. Old mindsets, old behaviors, old patterns, and restoring them and bringing about new ways and different ways of thinking to help change us and shape us. But listen, the kind of work that God does, the kind of thing that he did in Peter's life, is an inside-out kind of change. And so when we look at Peter, when we're reading in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and we, we remember the Peter in the Gospels, this is no longer the same mediocre fisherman. This is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's not the same guy that's getting called by Jesus to come and follow. This is a guy now who's getting called by government officials and military leaders to come and lead them in the direction that they think God is going. He's walked with Jesus. He's been filled by the Holy Spirit. And sure, he parts his hair the same way. He still enjoys his mother's gumbo over everybody else's. But this is a completely different guy. And only a man that's been with Jesus and filled by the Holy Spirit can make such a drastic transformation. And if you didn't know any better, you would swear he's a completely different guy. That's why I like Peter, to be honest with you, because sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't. And sometimes I'm a pretty good leader. And then sometimes I wonder, am I ever going to finish this thing as strong as the way that I started? Anybody can relate to that? Yeah, I'm just telling you i know this to be true there are days when i'm doing really really well and days when i'm not doing as well as i would like to but i know this i'm not the same i'm not the same isaac led us so powerfully in worship today to just reflect on all the wonderful things that god has done for us i think we need moments like that to look back and say god i know i'm not where i'm supposed to be but i can't deny the work that you've done in my life I'm different. Say that with me, different. You know, understanding the context of the writing in our Bible um, can give you some valuable insights. When, when you read the Psalms that were written by King David, and it's it's like reading his journal, right? You get the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and the in real time where he's at, right? You read Psalms, it's like, God, you're amazing, and then the very next one is like, where are you? I don't know you right? God, I could, I could do anything. I could leap over a wall. Please don't let my enemies crush me. It's like in and out, up and down. When we read 1 and 2 Peter, however, it's not like reading his journal as, as he struggles through these ups and downs. First Peter is like reading the wisdom of a man who's on the other side of his struggles, one who's absolutely screwed it up but stuck with it, stayed the course, and overcame. He's speaking not just with spiritual authority, he's speaking with moral authority as well. He'd say things like, hey, let me tell you what I know. This isn't theory anymore. I've been where you are, and I've also made it to the other side. He would say, if you want to be different, let me help you. And here's Peter's outline for us today as we're going to dig in, going verse by verse through First Peter. According to Peter, number one, you're now different. Number two, so you must think different. And three, so you can behave different. That's where we're going today. I'll give you all the, all the rules up front, and then let's jump in. And it's, it's kind of a phenomenal concept if you think about it, really. You think just by being different on the inside that automatically you would behave differently. But we're going to have to go through this journey with Peter and watch him unpack how we get from being to behaving. We spent last week talking about our salvation the difference that it makes in our lives while we're living here on this earth, in this fallen world, and here's the big truth, your salvation is not this new concept. Scripture shows us this is something that God has had planned long ago, and Peter takes a couple of verses right in the middle of chapter 1 to catch us up to this ongoing story that's been happening ever since creation. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. Here's what he's saying. About 2,800 years ago, there were some prophets that saw what God was doing. And they didn't see all the details. They didn't see everything clearly. It's like they stood on a mountaintop and could see the other mountaintops along the way, but the details hadn't quite been revealed to them. They could see some of the things that God was doing, but not all of it. Verse 11. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterwards. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for who? But for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful, look at this, that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. I get this picture in my mind when I read that about these angels in heaven. You know God sees your past, your present, and your future. God knows all things. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But I got news for you. The angels aren't. So they're sitting around, just like you and I, almost at the block out, out, out a blockbuster movie, right, when they're sitting here watching these things happen. I could just imagine a group of them going, man, did you see John just... John just got saved. Wow. What's and his wife and his kids too? Oh my goodness, I can't. What, what what what's gonna happen next? He's he's talking to that neighbor? You know, the one that he just waves at? Oh, he's actually going across the street to talk to them. I can't believe this. Oh my he's leading a small group. He's never led anything before in his life. He's got to be completely different. And all of these things that God is continuing to do and unpack in your life, the Bible tells us that heaven has an audience waiting so eagerly, awaiting for what God's going to do in your life. I'm telling you, it's amazing if you'll take the time to just sit back. How many of you can't even imagine what your life would be like had God not got a hold of it? Okay, I got news for you. He's not done. He's not done. Some of you are feeling really good about yourself. Just imagine what would happen as you continue to grow and grow and grow in maturity. There's a lot of people around here and a lot of heaven, uh, angels in heaven that are saying, I can't wait to see what God is going to do next. It's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. According to Peter, you are now different, so you must think different. Verse 13, he's just walking us through this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love this passage, preparing your minds for action. I'm grateful that our English translation helped us because here's what the original Greek says, gird up the loins of your mind. What does that even mean? Could you imagine sitting at the, at the cash register at the grocery store checking your stuff out and somebody comes and says, hey man, you need to get ready. Gird up the, lo- the, the loins of your mind. <laughs> here's, here's, here's what he's talking about. We see kind of the same phrasing other in, in scripture. Remember, they wear long garments. So they're talking about gathering up the fabric so that they can run. Gird up your loins means gather the things that would trip you up If you started running, God's got something he wants you to do. We see this in 1 Kings when Elijah is preparing. He's been praying for rain. God says, hey, rain's coming. Go warn Ahab. He's in a chariot headed to Jezreel. You need to go catch up with him and pass him. The Bible says that that Elijah girds up his loins and starts running. And he runs so fast, he passes the chariot. Cajuns would call that fast-fast. Not just fast, fast, fast-fast. Luke 12, 35, the original language in, in your Bible says, let your loins stay girded. But I'm so grateful our English translations have helped us here. The, what, 35, verse 12, Luke 12, 35 says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Peter's hearing Jesus say this and that phrase sticks in his mind. So when he's trying to tell you what needs to happen now that you're saved, what do you need to do? How do you need to be thinking? What do you need to have your mind set for? This same passage comes to his mind, and he says, hey, you need to gird up your loins in your mind and get ready to run. When you're born again, it's not time to rest. It's time to run. And listen, if you don't prepare to run, you will trip up. That's why Next Steps is so important to us. That's why I spend a whole lot of time talking to you. Make sure you have something in front that you're running to. I walk with a lot of people, and if I'm honest, the vast vast majority of the people that I've experienced, they don't mess up because they're serving too much or because they're in church too often or because they're doing things for God. The vast majority of people that I walk with that mess up aren't running at all. They're stagnant. They're stuck. There's nothing for them to do. There's nowhere for them to go. There's not a picture of what God is wanting them to do. And Peter's saying, if you're going to make it, if you're going to do the things that God wants you to do, I need you to get your minds ready to run. There's some things that you need to think about. They mess up because they're not running at all. How about you? Oh, Pastor Don, you don't understand. I worked hard this week. I deserve to rest. No, you deserve to die And God saved you and rescued you from the things that had you bound up. Not so you could sit there and be free right where He left you. He broke those chains off of you so that you could have the mindset that said, I'm no longer stuck where I was. There's some things that I need to run to and some places that I need to go. Can I just tell you, I want to show up to heaven exhausted? Could you imagine? I want to get there, breathe my last breath, giving the last bit of glory I had in this life to give to God. And oh, man, that was amazing. Or you could show up and go on. Well, this is kind of cool. How about you? Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that shows up exhausted? Let me tell you. Men especially, and ladies, you don't get an exemption here. Those who struggle typically struggle with two things. Can I help you on on these? These are free. Take notes if you're not. Um, this, This will really help you. Unaccountable privacy. Unaccountable privacy will mess you up. Why do I want to put you around other people? Why am I not content with you staying in church and not knowing anybody else here? You need some accountability to your privacy. I'm just saying, it trips you up. Think about the things that you struggled with that you still struggle with, unaccountable privacy is not good for you. And here's the other one, unplanned free time. So I see the heads going, "Mm, wow, where were you last week, Pastor Don? You could have helped me out. Anytime there is margin in your life with no purpose, watch out. Peter's saying, I'm going to help you. If you'll sit here and think that you're saved and free so that you can rest and relax, something's going to come. You're going to get tripped up. But if you'll gird up your loins in your mind and say, there's something for me to do, a place for me to go, a way for me to walk, I'm going to help you be successful in your life. So what stops us? It's our minds, our thinking, the way we see ourselves. Consider the power of thought. If you sow a thought, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. And if you sow a lifestyle, you reap a destiny. Some of us don't even realize that our future has a lot to do with how we are thinking. Here's the same verse, 1 Peter 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. That sober-minded is a big theme throughout Peter's letters. We're going to see it three more times just in First Peter alone. Be self-controlled. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Paul notices the same thing in First Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, so then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now listen, he's not talking about sleeping. He's not talking about sleeping. Biologically, you need sleep. He's not talking about drinking, is he? No, even in southern Louisiana, we know a good number of people who get drunk before it's even nighttime. Um, He's drawing a contrast between day and day. And night. He's saying this, there's a time for evil, darkness, and sin, and then there's a time for truth, hope, and life. Breastplates and helmets are types of armor for people in battle, for people in action. And if you're not going to be active in your faith, you don't need any armor. Pastor Don, I've never done anything for God before. What are you talking about? You're different now. You're different now. You need to think differently what's well, hard i'm afraid pastor don i'm going to mess it up i'm afraid i won't do it right listen peter would say yeah me too me too and here's the key don't trust in your own abilities trust in his grace let's finish the verse 1st peter chapter 1 verse 13 therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded set your hope fully on what the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ there's that future language again there's that will be brought to you he does not call the equipped he equips the called the world has taught you to trust in your own abilities and we have to change our thinking in order to place our trust differently it takes a different kind of thinking it takes a Philippians 4 kinda I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength kind of thinking According to Peter, you're now different, so you must think different, so you can behave different. Now watch this connection Peter makes between our thinking and our actions in verse 14, very next verse. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Ignorance is a thinking word, conformed is an action word your former thinking will affect your current actions i'm gonna say it this way if you continue to think the way you thought you'll continue to act the way you've acted something's got to change something's got to get unpacked more on this in just a minute verse 15 but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for i am holy that's a big bomb Peter just dropped on us in the middle. I just got you guys thinking you were supposed to run, and now he's talking about being holy. I struggled with this initially, too. It's a big truth bomb. And if anyone would know how difficult and monumental a task it would be to be holy like Jesus, your boy Peter would understand how hard and how difficult this is. But you've got to understand this. You don't get to say, but I grew up in this neighborhood. You don't get to say but this is how my daddy treated me. You don't get to say but this is how they're different from their different or what their thing is and this thing is and you don't get to make those excuses. Peter takes away the victim card because you have the same Jesus that everybody else does. You have the same grace that everybody else does in the middle of this. You have been called. You've been called. And it's not your past that informs your future. It's your calling that informs your future. So Peter's trying to say, listen, stop looking at the way you were. Start looking at how he's called you to be. And everything you need, he will bring to you. It's called grace. First John 3, 1 through 3 says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Don't miss the last verse. I highlighted it for you. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. My hope in God's promises will lead me to purify myself. I'll say it this way. Real hope will lead to real purity. Hope and holiness go hand in hand. It's Peter, it's not me. Some of you got real quiet on me. You're you're like, whew, Pastor Don, are you're saying that God's given me this hope, he's given me this salvation, he's called me to run, but it's not just good enough that I run, I have to be holy too. I have to, my behavior matters, my, my purity makes a difference in the way I'm going to be able to lead this. Look at my face. Yes. Yes, it does. And it's super, super important. But listen, despite what the enemy would have you believe in a moment like this, holy is not the same as perfect. It's not. The root word for holy means different. It means different. Yes, different from your previous lifestyle. That's part of it. But it's also this idea that you need to live in a way that's different from the world around you. Get your mind in gear. Let's start running. And while you're running, rely on the grace that God has given you when you placed your hope in him. And let's think differently so that we can behave differently because your purity matters in the life that God has called you to walk in. Y'all with me so far? Are your necks still working? Some of you, I had head nods earlier. Some of you are like straight ahead if I don't. If I look straight ahead he won't look at me while he's preaching God's people have always been different when you read your Old Testament the priests the priests were different the Jews were different than those around them and it's no different for us Christians we are to be different in this world but not of this world and here's what happens as God starts to change you from the inside you become increasingly more and more uncomfortable with the world around you. His work does something from the inside out. You may think you fit now. Just wait. You ain't fit no more. God changed you. We're scrolling through uh, Hulu the other day. And uh, how many of you tried to put a movie on for your kids, you know, from back in the day that you watched when you were a little one and couldn't get a few minutes in before you realized, we are not watching that today? (laughs) Never mind, kids. This was not a good movie. The things I used to watch and never even had, it didn't bother me at all. Language people used to say, and it just, whatever. Now I see that. I'm like, whoa, golly, that's, what, what happened? God changed me. He's changed me. He's changed my thinking. And now, as a result of my thinking differently, I'm behaving differently as well. If it hasn't happened to you yet, don't worry, it will. You're going to become increasingly more and more at odds with people and places with which you once fit. I would say it this way. Personal holiness is birthed in your heart, but it is carried in the mind and will be evidenced by your hands, your feet, and your mouth. How do we judge the fruit? Where are the hands touching? Where are the feet going? What is the mouth saying? That tells me what the head and what the heart are thinking. If there's a disconnect between what's in your heart to do and what you see as fruit from your hands, your feet, and your mouth, Peter would say let's look at your thinking. If there's a difference between your heart, what you intend to do, the things, I'm trying to do it this way, but I'm not. I keep doing the other thing. If what I see produced from my hands is different than what I wanted in my heart, Peter would say, we need to start with the way that you're thinking. And if there's anyone that knows what it's like to live in a culture that isn't pure while trying to maintain his purity, it is Peter. He's not saying it isn't hard. He's saying it's possible. It's worth it. It's as if he had a different way of thinking when we read about him in the Gospels to what he's saying to us now. He's changed. Let me ask you this. What are the thoughts that you keep telling yourself? What are the things that you keep believing and keep telling yourself over and over and over again? If I'm honest with you, oftentimes we lose in our behavior because we've already lost in our minds. We lose in our behavior because we've already lost in our minds. How many times do you think it took Peter to retrain his thinking over and over and over again to affect his behavior? How many? Once? Twice? He just listened to a good sermon? and All of a sudden it was... A- no, man, that's, that's why this word says it washes you. It changes you. Think on these things, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous whatever reminds you of what God has called you to think on those things he gives us this picture as we keep going to win the battle in your mind how to think different so you can behave differently and I want to look at this last bit of text and then we'll close for the day and some of you can breathe I need some more oxygen back in the room today remember he's just told us be ready to run Set your hope on the grace that God gives. Don't be shaped into your past way of thinking. Be obedient. Be different. Be holy with Jesus as your example. 1 Peter 1, through 19. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Stop right there. God is the one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. You know we'll all stand before God one day. All of us. Every single one of us. And scripture tells us that we will be judged for the things we do. The fruit that's produced from our lives. The words that we say. The things that we touch. The places that our feet goes. But of all the ways that Peter could have told us to approach God. Look what he did. He chose us to approach him as a what? A father. Approach God as a father. Then he says this. Conduct yourselves with fear. This isn't the scared, run away and hide kind of fear. This is the awe, the reverence, the appreciation, the take your shoes off and bow your face to the ground because this is holy ground kind of fear. Throughout the time of your exile, in other words, as long as you're here, as long as you're not yet where your eternity lies, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. There's that word again, knowing. It's a thinking word. As long as you live on this side of heaven, think this way. You have a past. It was broken, sinful. It held you captive. But you've been ransomed. You have been ransomed. You've been bought. You may not have seen your value. But how many of you are grateful that God did? God saw your value. He saw your captivity. He saw your brokenness. He saw the things you were stuck in that you couldn't move from. And he said, no, no, no. I've got a plan. And it's from way back. And the angels have been sitting on the side of heaven, fluffed up in the clouds or however you want to envision it. And let me been saying, I can't wait to see what happens next in this person's life and Peter's saying you can't get there If you don't pick up those clothes and start running You got to change the way you think or you're not gonna see how fast you can run some of you have no idea How strong you are? How full God's grace is in you? Because your thinking has got you held I'm looking at people in this room that have overcome some incredible things some incredible things. There is not a sin that's too heavy. There's not a past that's too dark. There's not a chain that is too thick for what God wants to break from your life. And the moment you start thinking that He can do something in you, you'll pick up those clothes and you'll start running. How much did you cost? How much did you cost? Well, that depends on how much was paid, what was used to redeem you Peter tells you look at this same verse not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot that's how valuable you were that's how stuck you were That's how broken you were that's how bent out of shape you were that's how much hope you did not have that God would love you so much that he would send his one and only son not to pay with his pocketbook but to pay with his blood to pay with his life paul paul peter we may refer to him more like that as we go forward he's given us some mature advice on how to live our lives how to think different so we behave different and here's how i want to end our service tonight What kind of different thoughts do you need to be telling yourself over and over again as you endeavor to live different, to live holy? What kind of thoughts? How should you be thinking? I want you to say this with me. My holiness is important. What kind of thoughts do you need to be thinking? Here's the first one. If it's not who he is, then it's not who I am. I am different now. Burn that record in your mind over and over and over and over and over again. Because listen, you live in a world that's not going to wait for you to get home before it confronts you with something that's going to try to derail you. This world is not trying to purify itself the way that Christ is purified. This world does not have a calling and a hope. This world does not have a destiny that is affected by the way that it thinks. It's going to try to derail you. And you have to look and say, if that's not who he is, that's not who I am. I'm different now. I know I used to go by there after work, but I'm different now. I'm different now. I know I used to find value in that, but he didn't. I couldn't see Jesus standing here with me as I'm watching that. So I don't need to be standing here with me watching that. I don't go there anymore. I don't look at that. I don't find satisfaction there anymore. Here's a great phrase for you to teach your kids. Others may, but I may not. Others may, but I may not. Why? Daddy, why can't? Because we've got a calling, because we've got a purpose god has sent his son and has died for us and it's not going to be in vain because we're going to show up to heaven exhausted because we're going to pick up the clothes of our minds that keep us from running and we're going to run if it's not who he is it's not who i am anymore i am different now you got to tell yourself over and over and over again we could end right there but i got a few more y'all want to hear them number two I've been ransomed. I no longer have to be a slave to that. Oh, I know the desire's strong. I know you can't imagine yourself without that thing. You've been medicating for so long. You don't even realize the broken areas of your life anymore because they're numb, because you've been fixating on that. And every time you feel that way, or every time you see that, or every time that memory pops up, you go back to that same thing Over and over again, but I got news for you. You've been ransomed. You were held captive. A price was set and it was paid. You've been redeemed. You're not stuck in that anymore. You've been set free. I no longer have to be a slave to that. Some of you have to remind yourselves of that daily. I'm not a slave to that anymore. I'm not a slave. Oh, it used to have power over me. I'm not surprised that the enemy would keep bringing it my way. It tripped me up before. I know he thinks I'm the same person, but he's mistaken. I'm a new person. I'm not the same person that used to be tripped up by that. Now I'm not saying you're completely healed of everything. If you've been struggling with alcohol, don't go back to a bar. You ain't got to prove to nobody whether you can do without that. God's made a change in your life. He's called you to go somewhere. Don't go back to those same ways of thinking, those same behaviors. Listen, you've been ransomed. How crazy would it be for somebody to be kidnapped, held captive, freed, and then go back to the kidnapper? But you do that regularly. You've been redeemed. You've been set free. My chains are gone. I've been set free we sing. Here's the third one. I have a new value. I have a new birth. I have a new father. I have a new value. I have a new birth. I have a new father. I have a new value. I have a new birth. I have a new father. I have a new value. I have a new birth. I have a new father. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. You get the phone call, you get the text message. It's them again. You got to look at this. Nope. I have a new value. I'm not stooping low to that no more. I'm not going, I'm not returning that phone call. I'm not going back to that place. I have a new value. I have a new birth. I have a new father. Number four, this one's huge. Remember how I felt last time. It's empty. It's a lie. Only God will satisfy this longing in my heart. Isn't it crazy how temptation can cause temporary amnesia? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. You can just look me right in the eye because I know this to be true. You knew the last time you did it that wasn't good for you. And you even said, God, I don't ever want to do that again. But you did, and you forgot, and guess what? It was just as empty, just as painful, just as lonely as it was the last time you left it. When are we gonna remind ourselves that that's empty? It's a lie, I'm not going back to it, that's not who I am. I remember how I felt last time. Only God will satisfy this longing in my heart. Take a minute and say, what is it that I'm missing? That is causing me to want to go and express it in this way how am i medicating what is empty what's hurt in me god can you feel that can you touch that god can you satisfy that place in me that's empty y'all still with me it's awfully quiet in here it's helpful talk back to me i've got a couple more number five when i fall short I can come to him just as before. You got to remind yourself. You got to tell yourself over and over and over again, when I fall short, I can come to him. I can come to him just as I did before, each time, every time, and experience that same grace and that same forgiveness. That grace and that forgiveness is not there so that you can mess up every single time and continue in your sin so that grace may abound. Certainly not, Paul says. But he loved you with a love before you ever knew he loved you. And it was enough to handle every past sin, every present sin, and every future sin in your life. Peter said, come to him as a father. He didn't say come to him as a judge. He knows he's a judge. We'll all stand before God. But we can all approach him today on the basis of how Jesus lived his life and sacrificed it for us. We get to approach God as a father. Man, one of my favorite things. Don't you tell my kids this, because if they stop, I'm going to blame you. It's to, to be in my chair. I've got a little study at the house and be in my chair in the morning. And I know they know where I'm at. And I know they know what I'm doing. I'm in my chair and I'm praying, and I'm reading, or I'm preparing for a message and they'll come and they'll knock on the door. Hey, Dad. Hey, come here. And I will hug them and I will love on them And it does not matter what is in my lap or in front of my eyes or on my device. I set it all aside. Why? Because my child just walked in the room. And if me as a father, with all my frailties, with all my insecurities and my shortcomings, can respond like that when my child comes in the room, how much of heaven's attention do you think you capture when you say, Daddy, I need you? There is not a thing that he won't put aside. You can come to him. When I fall short, I can come to him just as before. And when you continue to remind yourself over and over again, your new, different way of thinking will change the way you live that's what Peter would tell you how many of you believe that let's bow our heads I want to remove just a couple of other distractions listen to my voice and listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you Romans 2 verse 6 through 8 this is God's word he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patient and well-doing see for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I'm just telling you church, it is not inconsistent to speak of God's wrath and fury while also speaking of his love and generosity. He's not only one of them as you may have grown up believing, According to Peter, you can call on him as a father today while carrying yourselves in a holy awe and reverence, knowing that because of Jesus, you've been ransomed from an eternity in hell. Listen to me, church. God cannot be your father if you don't recognize Jesus as his son and your Lord. You must repent of your sins and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, except through me. To Nicodemus, that very religious man, others would look at him and think, this guy has it going on. Jesus looked at him and he said this, hey, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Pastor Don, how am I born again? How can I approach God as a father? I would tell you, you can do so as simple as ABC. A, admit, admit that you're a sinner, admit that your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God, that you have obeyed the passions of your flesh, the priorities of your life, and it's cost you, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I can, I can see my sin in a brand new way, I never saw it that way before, that's A, admit, B is believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to pay a debt that you incurred that you couldn't pay. To live a life that you can't live without him. And it's believing that God did this. How do I approach God as my father? By believing that Jesus is his son and that Jesus paid a way for me to do so. He's not just a good man. He's not some religious leader. He's not a prophet. Christianity is different from every other religion in this. It's not a religion at all. It's a relationship. And God sent Jesus so he could have a relationship with you, and you've got to believe that he did that. A, admit, B, believe, and C, is confess. You've got to confess him as Lord and Savior. I know it's easy when you're struggling, when life is broken, when it's hard, and you need someone to save you. Coming to church can make you feel better, but it won't change your future. Committing to Christ as your Savior and your Lord, that His way is better than your way. That makes all the difference. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I admit, I believe, and I confess, and I'm ready to approach the Father as a Father. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to call you out of your seat ask you to stand up in any way but I do want you to do this. I want to pray for you. And if you're here and you say Pastor Don, I want to be born again. I want to run. I want to show up to heaven exhausted. I want to know the purpose and the plan that God has for me and I want to spend every last breath seeing that become a reality. And if you're saying that I can do that with the grace that God gives through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and I've never been born again, but I want to be born again today. I want to ask you all over this room, would you lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with today? Thank you, ma'am, I see your hand. Go ahead, lift them up. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Both of you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. I see your hand, thank you. I see both your hands. Thank you, I see your hand. Up in the balcony, I see your hand, thank you. Thank you, I see your hand. If you raise your hand, you can place them down. Christian's in the room, I want you to be praying. One more time before I go, before I lead us in a prayer, if you missed raising your hand, you're saying, I, I, I know I need to. If you raise your hand before, don't raise it up again. But if you want to be included in this prayer, if you want us to pray with you, Raise your hand now so I can see it. One more time. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. All right, church, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You can put your hands down. Those of you that raise your hands to be born again, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me, and I'm going to ask everybody else in the room if you'll pray this prayer with us, indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's celebrate with those who raise their hand.